0: Welcome to the Eclectic Readers Podcast, where we throw books, not bricks, through your windows. I'm Susan. I'm Jeanette. And I'm Meredith. Hello, ladies. How are you?
1: Hello. Hi. (laughs) I'm good. Um, Well, I guess one exciting thing I mentioned, I think I mentioned it last podcast, was um, V.E. Schwab was coming to the area on her Conjuring of Light book tour. So I got to see her, which was awesome.
0: Yeah, I saw some she's photos such, you shared.
1: Yeah, she's Ugh. such a cool lady, um, and she stayed around and signed books and took pictures and stuff. So that was really cool. Um, it was definitely cool to hear her, kind of her take on her writing style and everything, mm. because she she said that she always knows how her books are going to end. She writes that first because whenever she gets. Uh, gets down and out about finishing the book, she
0: can say, well, I know how it's going to end. I just have to get there. (laughs) That's nice. That's always encouraging. (laughs) It's not the loss syndrome where you just keep going and going because you have no idea. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. But then she says, aside from that,
1: she also just writes things completely out of order. And she's like, and I'm not talking about chapters. She's like, I'm talking about paragraphs and even sentences. I just write whatever comes to me, and then I have to put it back together like a jigsaw puzzle. And her editor gets really upset sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: man, that was. I mean, I mean, that's how like movie director, how movies are directed, you know. You don't mm-hmm. go in order but still oh <laughs> yeah so whatever she's thinking she just
1: puts it down and makes it work somehow and she she does it because her books are awesome that's amazing so, oh,
2: they're really good
1: yeah mm-hmm. i'm definitely looking forward to jumping into that uh third book it's like i want to read it and i don't because then it's going to be over <laughs> uh, yep i get
0: gotcha. you so how are you Jeanette?
2: <laughs> Um, well, I'm getting over being a little sick, as you can hear. I didn't get to go to V.E. Schwab because I wasn't feeling well. It made me sad. Um, Yeah, we missed you. (laughs) Well, and then, of course, from being sick, I had a lingering cough, which stole my voice. But, you know, it's not like I could miss. This month is my book, so... (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I'm getting better already, and I'm super excited because we've got the Nova Teen Book Festival coming up next weekend, so that's going to be super fun. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: that sounds yeah. like
2: fun. So, But Looking. today, you might hear a lot of me asking questions and then being very quiet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, think, I think Meredith and I can fill the void.
2: <laughs> I think so. Well, that's what I did at the IRL meeting, and basically, I threw out a question, people talked a lot, and then I nearly fell out of my chair laughing. So I can deal with that. <laughs> How are you doing, Susan?
0: I am good. Uh, I I must be getting old because I'm still tired recovering from my vacation last week. <laughs> well, the time changes will do that to you. Yeah, it's a six-hour time... Oh, not six, sorry. Four-hour time difference. Um, but even, like, plus kids. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it might as well be a six-hour time difference, yeah, so right? Yeah, it might as well be six hours, but... <laughs> Um. Yeah, so I was on vacation last week, and it was wonderful. Um, we went to Hawaii, and um, never been. So it was really fun. The girls had fun, so it was worth the effort. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and I missed V.E. by a few days, because she was actually going to be in Denver while I was in Hawaii. Oh, so, man. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, oh, man. <laughs> Um, of course, you know, I had to be leaving the mainland um, <laughs> while she was here. But, oh, well, Hawaii was worth it. Um, it's a pretty good consolation. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And uh, I did one bookish thing where I went to a couple of local um, bookstores near where I was. Um, unfortunately, one was closed, um, but the other one was open called The Book Off. And it was great. It's like a, it's a secondhand bookshop, basically. And there were a ton of books. So if you wanted to get books for cheap, that would be the place to go. Cool. Um, Yeah, it was pretty great. And, like, they had a huge children's selection. Like, Emily was like, I want this and I want that and I want this. I'm like, we're we're on vacation. I'm not buying you any books. Yeah. A girl on vacation to me. (laughs) It's like I bought you a ton of books for the trip. (laughs) Uh, Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, no, I bought uh, them a ton of new books to keep them <laughs> occupied for the trip. So, mm, Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, what are we
1: reading right now? So, Susan, what, what have you gotten read since you're back from vacation?
0: Uh, well, uh, my gosh, vacation was lovely in the fact that I got to do a lot of reading. <laughs> nice. Um, but right now, I am reading A Darker Shade of Magic. Oh and yeah. Yeah, finally. It's a good I'm listening one. listening to the audiobook. Um, and it's okay. It's like your typical British old man with a gravelly voice. You know. <laughs> so <laughs> So it's okay. And um I'm reading it's a reread of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Um, and let's see. They're doing a Harry Potter chapter a day. So I've been following along with that and we're up to book 4. Woo. Nice. That one's my favorite, <laughs> and um, I'm finally getting to Freaks. Um, got a free copy to review, and I'm finally getting around to reading it. So so far, it's it's cute. It got it took a little while to get to like the main meat of the story. Mm-hmm. So,
2: but so far so good. <laughs> um, cool. What you reading, Jeanette? Well, I have started. I've started David Copperfield by Charles Dickens, which is going to be my big book for Book Bingo this year. And it's also going to be my person's name in E.R. Madlips. Nice. nice. Yeah. And I'm about halfway through Glass Sword by Victoria Aviard, which is a sequel to Red Queen. I read that uh, I think about two years ago and I really liked that one but I'm having a little bit of trouble getting through Glass Sword. It's just, it's another dystopian young adult book. Girls Gotta Save the Day. And it's not bad. It's just, it's, this one is very dark. Mm -hmm. And I think I was more in the mood for something very, very fun. Which, you know, is why I decided to start a couple of other things with it. Not necessarily fun things, but (laughs) just to kind of hop around a little. Because um, mm-hmm. I'm also about to start the graphic novel March by John Lewis. Nice. I'm about to start book one with the litzy March in March group, led by our very own Meredith.
0: Yay! <laughs> yeah. Wonderful idea. Yeah, so. yeah. It's
2: it's
1: going really well so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to give our listeners kind of the little background, if you remember, last episode we had Stacy on, which. Uh, She's a friend that I met through Litzy, and she had mentioned that she'd never read a graphic novel. So after we recorded, we were talking, and we both realized that we had just uh, both bought the uh, trilogy of March. And so I was like, well, why don't we do a buddy read? You know, it can be your first set of graphic novels, and I want to read it anyway. And then it just kind of turned into, let's just open it up to Litzy." And so we made the March and March hashtag, and we started volume one and we're about to be starting volume two and um i guess technically when this comes out we'll be starting volume three but anyone can jump in (laughs) um you know they're they're quick reads they're really good i've enjoyed this first volume so far definitely
0: Lucky. Um, I,
2: I am not getting these books in time. <laughs>
1: well, Mine, I mean, you,
0: you can always jump
1: in
2: when you get them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mine just came in and mm-hmm. one of them came in, but I couldn't get to the library in time. So now I have to put myself on the holds list again. Oh, so we'll no. see if I get it in time. But I got two of the three. So I have a place to start. That's, That's good. good. Did you get one in three? <laughs> um, I actually think I did. I got uh, one <laughs> in three or one in two. But I have one. <laughs>
1: So. that's a place to start yeah exactly <laughs> oh
0: goodness well about so you yeah so
1: um obviously like I said I'm reading March and um I also started Uprooted by Naomi Novak
2: I'm so week. glad I want somebody else to talk to you about that one I like that one
1: yeah so hmm. I mean I'm not super far into it I think I'm like I don't remember, somewhere between 50 and 100 pages in. And it's not really pulling me in yet. It takes time. I will say that. I mean, I know there's still a lot of the book left, (laughs) but um, everyone's been raving about it. So I was thinking it would kind of pull me in faster. So um, hopefully, hopefully it will. (laughs) And um, so uh, that's what I'm reading right now. I want to start A Conjuring of Light here, hopefully today. And that'll probably take all of my attention for a while um and I, then I just wanted to give a quick shout out to a couple of books I finished recently that I just thought were really good and people should definitely uh read uh I finished Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates and Homegoing by Yaa Jesse both of them were just really amazing books so if you haven't read them you should give them a look
0: yeah. oh I forgot I don't, Okay, this is, I have to mention this. Sorry, I almost forgot. I finished Anna Karenina.
2: <laughs> Woohoo! Yay! Yeah. It took me a year. <laughs> it's a long book.
0: Oh, man. It is. And, and you did it through the Serial Reader app, right? Yes. hmm yeah. Thank goodness. Um, but I, I figured it's, it was worth mentioning for that one because I've been slogging through it for the past year. <laughs> yes, you get a gold star. You finished it. Yes, and you know how a serial reader, you know, gives achievements and, and whatnot mm-hmm. for the amount of, that you read. I think I achieved like 20 of those things just with the gel <laughs> alone. <with> <laughs> I bet, yeah. I mean, that Ooh. is, that's a doorstopper. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Is. So, yay, I'm done. And I, I might just put a hold on those Tolstoys from now on. <laughs> <laughs> but you can say that yep. you read it. Yes. Be like those people. Well, I read Anna Karenina. <laughs> so, okay, sorry. Continue. <laughs> no, that's fine. So, yay for Susan! <laughs> Exciting. All right.
1: So, before we jump into our main read this month, we just want to have a little bit of talk about historical fiction because this month's main read, "Girl Waits with Gun," is based on historical events and real people. Uh, The events happened between 1914 and 1915, so this would be considered historical fiction, the general genre. But really, what the heck is historical fiction? Um, (laughs) You know, like, I've been looking around and I found some different articles that were saying it can be real events with fictional people, fictional events with real people, or real events with real people. So I guess pretty much... Pretty much anything, right? <laughs> as
2: long what do you as it takes
1: place, right? In a what, what time, you, I guess. <laughs> right, and that's the other thing. There's this debate, it seems, on the interwebs about how far in the past from the author's current day the book would need to be set. Some people say it has to be a hundred years, which seems a little that a little wrong. bit much for me. Some people <laughs> say fifty years. Some people say ah, oh, it only needs to be like twenty five years. But then I go on to Goodreads and I'm looking through their lists of like great historical fictions and they have Jane Austen listed. But didn't she write in her own time period? Like her books are set in the same time, right? Yeah. Yes. So what do you like when you think of historical fiction, what do you think of?
0: Um, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I would have to say it would be. Be, it ha- it would have to involve real people of that time period. Um, because in fiction, I think it can take place at any time, but that's not the focus of the book. Um, whereas if it was involved real people, then that's the focus which these people are in that time period. Does that make sense? <laughs> um, for example, there's The Light Between Oceans, um it takes place after world war 1 it would be considered historical to some but i wouldn't because the characters are fictional they're not real um whereas for girl waits with gun the book we're going to discuss um in a bit that would be historical because it's based on a true person in that time period of the early 1900s hm
2: so what do you think Jeanette where do you fall on this well i would more cons- i would consider I would consider um, real people with the real events or fictional events in the past. I would consider that historical fiction, but I would also consider books with fictional people, historical fiction, because for example, historical romance is a very popular genre and that those tend to contain only fictional people. Um, Like, People will make up 500 different dukes and duchesses to have write <laughs> regency romances all over the place. And I, I consider all of those a historical romance. They take place in a real historical time period, but they take place with fictional characters. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. So, I mean, I think that if you actually lived in the past, like Jane Austen, and you wrote about your own time... Maybe that wouldn't so much be considered historical fiction mm-hmm. because I, I can see how people would, but she to her, that was contemporary fiction. Right, exactly. She wrote that about yep. her own time, about what was happening around her. Yep, so exactly. Yeah, I mean, I that's how I feel. See it, but it's not how I would have classified that book at all. Right,
1: yeah. right, because then it, it kind of turns into, well, what people are writing right now about things that are happening, does that mean a few decades from now, it's going to be categorized
2: as historical fiction? I mean... Contemporary I, fiction I, is just future historical fiction. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. And and so I guess maybe more of it deals with the intent of the author. You know, are they writing it for, historically as opposed to writing it in, in that current time? Right. Um, See, so yeah, I agree. I don't think... I mean, I can understand why some people might consider... Jane Austen historical fiction, because, yeah, it's history to us, but <laughs> it wasn't to her. <laughs> um,
2: I have I agree. now a vision I, of people writing historically with, you know, the feather quills and fancy hats. <laughs> 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 um,
1: so, yeah, but I, I agree. I, I think historical fiction can take place in a specific time in history with fictional characters or with real characters. Um but, like, you know, because there's so many, like you uh, were saying, Susan, you know, your, your uh, Light Between the Oceans was World War I, but there's, like, tons of World War II uh, mm-hmm. books out there. Oh, so, my gosh, yes. <laughs> so many. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, would you consider the book Thief
0: historical fiction? No, I would consider that just fiction. (laughs) Okay.
2: Because I've always considered it fiction. fiction. Yeah. Yeah, I would consider that historical fiction. It takes place during a real time period, real place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But, I mean, there's, like, um, another book called Life After Life Life that I've read, Um, and I would consider that fiction as well, even though it really takes place in World War II, and it's, like kind of, and it's, it's a bizarre book. I kind of didn't like it. <laughs> mm. Um, but I just, I would also consider that just fiction, you know, but then like, um, I don't know. It's, it's really confusing. I think because I haven't read a lot of historical fiction because I never used to read a lot of, a lot of that. Um, it was only recently that I would, I started reading some more. Um, so yeah.
1: Hmm. okay well so then what do you think makes a good historical fiction
2: to me what makes a really good historical fiction is when it makes me want to learn more about the time period like it makes Mm. me feel like I'm so involved in the time period that I want to learn more about it um I was never a big history person in school for whatever reason you'd think I would be because I do like learning about different time periods and things like that. But I was never really good at history. And yet sometimes I will be reading a book and I'll think, this is so interesting. I want to know everything about this time period. And to me, that's a really good historical fiction. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And the same as you, I've never really been a history buff um, but I think another part of a good his- historical fiction would be like they, they did their research. Um, not that mm-hmm. just you want to learn more, but the fact that they took the time to research that time period, um, e- even down to how they speak, because people spoke differently, you know, 50 mm-hmm. years ago than, than how they speak now. Um, so I think the, the, the details and getting it right and making us feel like we're in that time period is really important.
1: Yes, I definitely agree. Like, I want to feel like I've been transported to that Mm -hmm. specific time, like to really just feel immersed in it. And yeah, and so that takes a lot of research on the author's part, for sure. Um, And one, again, well, Susan might not consider it historical fiction, but (laughs) uh, (laughs) I was thinking about the pillars of the earth and how in that book, like it's set way, way back in, uh, you know, the past England time. Right. And mm-hmm. just, I just felt like fully immersed in that time period. right? And I just thought mm-hmm. it was really interesting.
0: Yeah. See, I never considered Pillars of the Earth Historical Fiction. I just considered it fiction. <laughs> 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 well, like,
2: I know with Pillars of the Earth and um, with another book I read uh, around the same time, actually, The Other Boleyn Girl.
0: Oh, yeah. What I liked
2: mm-hmm. was that Not only did I feel immersed, but when I came back out, I had to figure out which parts were real and which parts weren't. And Mm -hmm. I think that's an important Mm -hmm. part of authors doing their research is that anything they add or change about the story or the history, you have to wonder. It has to be so well integrated into the story that you have to wonder, wait, did that really happen that way? Could that really have happened that way? Mm-hmm. And yep. so I did like some of the research to figure out like could that really have happened? Okay, yes, that could have. No, that couldn't have. Yep.
0: Oh, yeah, oh, definitely am- slight amendment to what I said because <laughs> I'm thi- like I just haven't really thought about this before um, with not reading a lot of historical fiction. But I think I think one of you said it. I can't remember, but about the author's intent, mm-hmm. um, where like going back to light between oceans, it just happens to take place after world war one um but if it's like specifically i guess if the time period is a huge player a character mm-hmm. um, for a better part of the word um of the story then i guess i would consider it historical fiction okay um cause I'm, but you know that that only really applies to like world war two books that i've read because i've only read those like the nightingale mm-hmm. um the huge part taking place in World War II. I would consider that historical fiction, but they're fictional people. But I right. think it's because okay. that time period is really important. Yes, I agree. I think that has to yeah. be a big player in it.
1: Uh-huh. So, so we're winning Susan over Jeanette? <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, I can be convinced.
0: <laughs>
2: and we will convince you.
1: So but in general... Do you feel like you like historical fiction? Or, I mean,
0: I know, Susan, you said you haven't read a ton, but Mm -hmm. what you have read, have you liked? Yeah, the few that I've read, I've liked. I mentioned Life After Life. I wasn't huge on that, but, I mean, I don't consider it historical fiction. Um, (laughs) uh, But The Nightingale was really good. I cried my eyes out at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I guess, I mean, if we do that atonement, the time period is really important, too. Mm That was all right. Um, I don't think I have enough of a base
2: to make an opinion yet. (laughs) Sure. Okay. What do you think, Jeanette? It's funny. If you asked me this question, like, just stop me while I'm walking down the street and ask me this question, I'd probably be like, nah. But, like, really thinking about it, I really do like historical fiction. Like, a lot of the books that we've talked about, The Pillars of the Earth, The Book Thief, um, The Other Berlin Girl, I really enjoyed those books. Mm-hmm. I really felt immersed, and I wanted to learn more, and I would, like, sit down and Google after reading them, and I l- have always liked historical romances, so I actually think I really do like historical fiction. I just don't think about it much.
1: Yeah, because it I feel like it encompasses so much of what we read, and we don't necessarily think about it that way.
2: Right. Uh, it really does.
1: But I agree. I, I, I really like historical fiction, um, so I would like to read more of it. I know... I've got a few on my TBR definitely that take place in World War II because that's <laughs> definitely a, a popular one.
0: really um, it
1: is. But then I guess some people wouldn't think that's historical fiction because it hasn't been 100 years yet. But um, <laughs> mm. I definitely think it is. It's, it's enough in the past that you know, people are still having to really research it and, and you know, do their homework because it's not like it's happening right now. Right. Um, and so along with that... Have you read much alternative or alternate historical fiction? Do you like that? What do you think of that?
0: Um, I read a few. The one that really comes to my mind is the Behemoth series. It's a Yep, that's what mm- I was Yeah. Um and I, I enjoyed it. Um I don't I think that's that's like the only one that really comes to my mind. I don't think I've read a lot of alternate universe histories.
1: Mhm that on one it. was really interesting though yeah um
2: yeah I, I think that's the main one that comes to mind too I haven't read a whole lot I have to be honest I don't quite like it as much as I like general historical fiction hmm what's mm-hmm. that um I think I found it and I'm thinking of that series in particular because that's the mm. main one I can think of um But I found it a little confusing. Like I said, I'm not a big history person. So the parts of the history that I knew really well then really confused me with the parts that they had changed. Mm, Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that. So, yeah, I I don't know. And I didn't feel as immersed in it because it wasn't as true to the history that I knew. Sure. Yeah, I... This past, well, I guess 2016,
1: I read a few different kind of all alternate historical fictions. Uh, I read the duology Wolf by Wolf and Blood for Blood by Ryan uh, Groudon. And so that took place after World War II, uh, kind of in you know Europe. But Hitler won World War II, so the Axis powers were the ones in power. So I thought that was a really interesting take on it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I really enjoyed the the books. And then another one that I would consider alternate historical fiction is uh, Colson Whitehead's The Underground Railroad. A lot of people have been categorizing it as magical realism because the Underground Railroad in his story is literally a train that runs underground. Mm. But I fail to see the magic. I mean, I I ride in a train that goes underground to work, and it's not magic. (laughs) Are you um,
0: sure. That's a good
1: point. <laughs> now I'm I'm pretty sure if the metro was magic it would run better. <laughs> Burn metro. Uh you know. I mean, it's it's a love-hate relationship with metro, I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh but I think just because it's, you know, like it's just different than how the events actually took place. So to me, I consider that alternate historical fiction. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how Colson Whitehead feels about it, but to me, it's it. I didn't find anything magical
2: in the story. So that's my two cents on that. Well, it sounds like we all have a lot of feelings about historical fiction and alternate historical fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we have a lot of feelings on the historical fiction we're about to read or we're about to discuss because... I'm going to sit a lot of this out, guys, with my voice. <laughs> um, so this month we read about, um, we've read Girl Waits with Gun, which is about uh, three young women who in the year 1914 are out in their buggy when they are hit by a car driven by a silk manufacturer named Henry Kaufman. The oldest sister, Constance, tries to collect damages to, collect, to repair the buggy. And this kicks off a series of visits from Kaufman and his gang of no-good friends who come by the house regularly to torment her and her other two sisters, Norma and Fleurette. She also, uh, while dealing with these guys, stumbles across a mystery of a missing child, which Kaufman is also involved in. And she begins working with the local sheriff to find the child and stop the harassment. So we'll start off with what was one thing that stood out to you in this book? Well, it was cool
1: knowing as we went into it that these were real events and these ladies were real people. Like this is stuff that actually happened a hundred years ago. Uh, So I thought that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. And um, kind of as we were reading along, I was thinking about, okay, well, this is 1914, 1915. uh, And all these things are happening up in New England. And then I thought about Blood at the Root, which we read last month, which also took place in 1915, but in Georgia, and, like, just the stark differences of, of the things happening mm. and how things would have been different if, if you know, maybe the, the cop sisters lived in Georgia instead of, um, you know, up in New England and things like that,
0: so. Yeah, that's a good point. So many different things going on. Um but i one thing that stood out was how uh not only the that the kauf sisters were sh- strong independent um how well rounded they were in that cuz there are some who make that type of female protagonist a little too strong and it just doesn't work um i think the author uh found a nice balance because even though I was like I really appreciate like oh my gosh you're like standing up for yourself good for you but they weren't like really arrogant about it or annoying about it I don't know there was I just I just liked it I like this is like this is the type of strong woman I like you know like asking Mm -hmm. the questions but at the same time you know trying to keep things not normal was it but realistic? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah, that's a good one. It's like I shouldn't be doing this, but this is like this is really important to this mom, you know? <laughs> so I'm going to help <laughs> her.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: So Yeah, I would agree. They were really interesting characters. And so I'm going to ask you guys to talk a little bit more about that. What did you think of them? What did you think of their relationship with each other and with their brother for that matter? Relationship with the brother was
0: um, frustrating. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was just—it's like, dude, really. I mean, they've obviously been fine all these years. Like, just leave them alone. <laughs> um, they're trying to figure things out, and like, they know what the problems are. You know, they'll figure it out, and if they want the help, they'll ask you. Like, you know, I, I don't know. He was—he was really annoying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, they had you... a. <sighs> They had a very interesting family
1: dynamic, to say mm-hmm. the least. Um, yeah. yeah. So Norma, like, she was so grouchy, but she was <laughs> also really fun. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed her. Yep. Um, And her her pigeons, Norma and her <laughs> pigeons. <laughs> oh, s- oh, Sending off her little mm-hmm. carrier pigeons and then them coming back and... And her um, pulling out those um, newspaper clippings to put Mm -hmm. in their little carrier thing. And it was just like, it was so passive aggressive the way that she would, (laughs) she would, (laughs) she would cut out these little things. Mm -hmm. And I guess she kind of took over for their mom because their mom would just read it to them and be like, oh, look at this. This lady lost her way. And, you know, now she's outcast and what, you know, whatever. And. And so Norma didn't quite go that route, but she was still kind of pushing it on them. And so I just, the, her passive-aggressive pigeon notes were just ridiculous. <laughs> but I have to say, I mean, Francis was, you know, like, I get what he was trying to do. He was mm-hmm. trying to help them. And, to, I mean, to be fair, like, this was I would say pretty abnormal for three unmarried sisters to be living by themselves out in the country.
0: Yeah. Um, Definitely at this time period.
1: (laughs) Yeah. In this time period. Yeah. So I I can understand why he felt like he needed to step in. But the person that was really annoying me was Florette. Same. Uh, (laughs) Like the way she, I mean, and, and I don't know if it's just the way she was written, but she just sounded like a whiny child, like much younger than she actually was i mean she did not she did not come off as sixteen going on seventeen to me same here It was more like ten, you know she just <laughs> seemed like like a child, and i mean I, I guess maybe some of that was from her
0: upbringing and just mm-hmm. being like so closed off from society um, I think that's a big reason to how why florette's the way she is, and I was hoping that through this book. There would be some kind of growth with her, mm-hmm. um, but there really wasn't. <laughs> like we saw, just a little,
1: a little inkling of it at the end when she's on the the stand for the trial, and they're like, "Oh, yeah. well, it sounds like your you know your sisters did a lot of stuff for you, and it was really dangerous." Uh-huh. And she's like, "Oh, huh? I guess it was." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Uh, Where have oh you my- been this entire book?
0: God, seriously. <laughs> Um, but I mean I and I think that's like their one fault was they were so overprotective of her. Mm-hmm. But then again, you know, their their mother was also that way with them, you know, the three of them. And then Constance and Norma just kinda kept it up with her when, when she died. Um but it was, yeah, it was that was
1: really frustrating. <laughs> yeah. It was just it was too much. And I think mm-hmm. I think Constance is realizing that now, like, oh, man, like she needs to kind of understand how the world works and, yes. you know, and, and not be so naive because that'll just get you in a lot more trouble, which I mean, because like, let's look at it, you know, and sorry if we're jumping ahead, Jeanette, but,
2: no, you
1: know, um, the, the way their mother raised them, I mean, she was trying to protect them from everything and, you know, kind of kept them off from society, but... Guess what? One of the main things that she was trying to keep them from doing, Constance did anyway. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> yep. how well did that really
0: work? Yeah, I mean, that's the problem with overprotectiveness, isn't it? Um, you close them off to everything. You have no knowledge of how to handle anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, when well, something like, uh, go ahead.
2: Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say. Um, do you think that that um, that was one of my questions? Is do you think that the way she did that led to Constance doing what she
0: did? I don't think it was on purpose. um And from the way Constance told it, I don't think it's like, well, my mom just never let me do anything, so I'm going to rebel. You know, I, I never got that feeling. Um, but, but she just, she didn't even know how to yes, handle it. <sighs> exactly. Like she just had no knowledge of how to handle the situation of something like this. She's just like, oh, this guy just wants to come and give me sewing lessons. Don't you think that's a little suspicious, you know, (laughs) Um, like that kind of thing? I think uh, it definitely needs to be taught, you know, and and sheltering um, your children like that does not help because they just won't know. You you need to give them the power to know and learn. And you know what I mean?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, their mother was teaching them pretty much like stranger danger, I suppose, but at the same time, they were so closed off that once she's finally getting some attention from someone outside the family, I think, I mean, I think she liked it. You know, she might have not realized what all she was getting herself into, but you know what I mean? Like to finally Mm -hmm. have someone that's, you know, showing some
0: interest in her. And yeah, yeah, definitely. And she was, since she was a teenager, she's already had those hormones going so you know she's thinking, oh, someone's giving me attention. Like he's just wanting to give me sewing lessons, and I'm just like, yeah. no, dear, no, right? Like <laughs> this, and
1: this guy knew exactly what he was doing. Oh yeah, you know what I mean? Oh, he totally did. I was like, oh no, mm. oh no. <laughs> Those singer salesmen, man. <sighs> mm-hmm. now, watch out for them traveling, traveling. Uh, yeah, sewing machine, sewing machine salesmen, sewing
0: machines.
2: It's a real problem. My mom used to tell me that
1: all the time. Mm. (laughs) But do you wonder, I was just thinking about this, and and maybe I'm making him even creepier than he should be, but but don't you find it odd that he happened to just knock on her door when she was alone? Like, do you think he was watching to kind of see when
2: her mother was out of the apartment? I don't think necessarily, but... If you remember, the first time he came, he came while the mother was alone in the apartment. Right. right. So I think it might have been maybe a sales technique or, you know, a secret of the business. Like, go in when a woman's alone and you'll have a much easier shot at making a sale or making a sale, as it were. Um. Yeah, I think it might have been just kind of a business technique to just go in when the woman was home alone, generally mm-hmm. speaking. Mhm. No matter yeah. what business you intended that day.
0: Right, um, but he then went back. So did he see more daughters or did he see more women going into the house?
2: Well, he didn't sell anything the first time.
0: Yeah, and decided to try again. Yeah. Which is another sale it could be another sales tactic. Like yeah. if he saw that there were Older, you know, girls living there. He can convince them instead of mom. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, to maybe buy a sewing machine. You know, once he had gotten in the first time with the mom, mm-hmm. you know, okay, I'll go in a, the second time. The second time, I'll close the deal. Right. So. Yeah. Well, he did close a deal.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm just like I said. Uh, whatever his business he intended that day. <laughs> Yeah, I mean,
0: I think in a way he may have scoped out the place, you know. I, most salesmen don't just, like, go, go blindly, you know. Like, that's also a waste of time for them, mm-hmm. you know. So maybe he just kind of scoped the neighborhood.
2: Or mm-hmm. even the building. Yeah. Maybe there yep. are a lot of women in that building. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that could be a thing. Yep. Um, so that being said, that takes us up to the family secret. Spoilers, listeners, we're going to talk about the family secret. Um, did you suspect the family secret? And if so, when did you figure it out?
1: It took me longer than I'd like to admit. (laughs) I mean, I did figure it out before it came out. But it wasn't a whole lot beforehand. It was like this guy kind of started showing up. And then I was thinking back to some stuff she'd said about the last time they had seen her dad. And then I was like, huh. Well, but that's not long enough between the ages of, you know.
0: Oh. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That, yeah. I mean, so I wasn't expecting baby i was expecting like oh she's gonna get caught doing something she shouldn't be doing you know what i mean because it's like mm-hmm. um, you know it's a salesman coming by for sewing lessons you know <laughs> and it's like oh mm-hmm. she's gonna get caught like something's gonna happen and then it's like oh he notices her waistline isn't the same it's like oh man <laughs> <laughs> really yeah Whoa, and Uh. I think I read this when, uh, because I was reading this when everybody else was sleeping. So I was reading this and like David was sleeping, so I couldn't be like, oh my God, you know? So that was. It was pleasantly surprised, I guess, in a way. It's like, oh, this is like a surprise that actually surprised me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I guess I wasn't really thinking about it for the beginning of the story. Because, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not like they had access to birth control. I'm sure that you did sometimes have a pretty big gap in sibling ages. um, But I just, you know, for whatever reason, I didn't put together that, oh, yeah, well, their dad's been out of their lives for a long time. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, Yeah.
2: it was funny. I um am. I put together that there were big gaps in their ages, and I was like, that's yeah. really, really weird. Mm-hmm. But originally, when the singer-salesman showed up, I actually thought he was going to seduce the mom.
0: Mm. And
2: so I was like, oh, is this how this happens? And then that's not where the book went. And I was like, oh, okay. And I literally didn't think anything of it again until – She actually had the baby and named her Fleurette, and I was like, this is something I would have normally put together way earlier, so who knows? Maybe it's the cold medication hitting my brain wrong. I don't know. That must be it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) Normally,
2: I would have put that together way earlier, and I felt very foolish for not having done it.
0: Yeah, the age gap, I just thought, like, something happened um, with the mom. Like, she just got pregnant late in life, or, you know, the different dads or something like that, Um, so... But then, like everything, and then when she explains that everything that Norma did, I was like, "Oh, yeah, okay." But uh, yeah, the suspicion definitely came when she mentioned, like, "Oh, yeah, he noticed my waistline was a little bigger." I was like,
2: "Oh, really?" And see, <laughs> even then, I didn't put it together that it was Florette. I was like, "Oh, she's yeah. going to get pregnant. She may mm-hmm. have a baby. She'll put the baby up for adoption." Like, it didn't line mm-hmm. up. I didn't figure the adoption part, that was, like, a, a surprise. I was
0: like, I never even, I never even thought about that, like, mm-hmm. that her mom would
2: just adopt the baby. It's
0: like, oh, that's really I didn't really figure clever. it like that. Yeah, I didn't figure, yeah. like,
2: her mom would adopt the baby, but I mm-hmm. kind of figured with the whole um, thing with the Lucy Blake's baby being, you know, temporarily adopted. Yeah. I figured mm-hmm. the mirroring of the storylines, like, oh, mm-hmm. Constance will have a baby and put her baby up for adoption. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that's not exactly the way it went. And I was like, oh, yeah. oh, wow, <laughs> I'm stupid.
0: So. No, I think it's fun. It's like, you know, everyone's every getting like a clever surprise because sometimes surprises are like, oh, we never mentioned anything but surprise, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. or like, it's so easy. You figure it out from the beginning and you just have to hope the story is good. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, but can we talk about like how cold her mom was? Like
1: Constance goes missing and she's just like, well, oh
0: my gosh. she
1: must have just gotten into something that we don't want to deal with. So I have right. issues with their mom.
2: Yeah, <laughs> like big issues. <laughs> well, That's why I asked about the sister's relationship with each other and with their brother, because it's just an interesting dynamic. Um, I've been watching a lot of Golden Girls and it's very funny to watch because like they're very snarky with each other on Golden Girls. And Daniel walked in and he's like, "Like these women hate each other. And I'm like, no, they really love each other. But when you read this book, it's got the same kind of thing. Like you read it and you're like, man, do these women like each other at all? Yeah. But it's that dynamic of we're really, really snarky because we love each other so much. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you definitely see the love with, with Norma. Um, she went through all that work. Like. Their mom didn't do anything. It was Norma who did all the work and all the planning, mm-hmm. um, to find Constance, you know, um, and I think that just shows, I think that just shows like awesome family love, you know, um, and the fact that like they just accepted Florette as their own, you know, yeah. Um, I think that says a lot about that family, even though they kind of give each other a hard time.
2: Um, and yet Norma's the one who is most like their mother after their mother dies.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, With the newspaper headlines and the don't go anywhere and don't talk to anybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. A, it's an interesting dynamic. But there's definitely love there. Mm-hmm. I think, oh, yeah. you know, uh, underlining everything is love. Um, that I feel like we see much more with the sisters than we necessarily did with the mom, but we also never saw the mom alive. So you know, it's it's all through memories and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. I did find it interesting that the author mentioned in real life their mother was still alive during all of this.
2: Really? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yes, she does. She says that. Um, she said she didn't. She decided to kill off Mama Cop a little earlier than she died. Oh, right. In real life. Yes. Because she said it was being, it was becoming very difficult for her to try and write for women together in that house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she just killed Mama Cop off a couple of years early.
0: I mean, it kind of makes sense because Constance went out and did so many things that was not usual for women to do at that time, um, and she was just kind of always there. So, and you know, Constance already had to sneak out of the house with Norma watching. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it would have been a little too yeah uh, but Flora would have been all like Yo, can I come with you you know exactly <laughs> that's
2: why she had to sneak
0: yeah um, but I think if mo- uh, their mom and and Norma were there at the same time it would have been harder to have Constance go out in a reasonable mm-hmm. manner I guess you know yeah. shy of
2: not going home at all or something <laughs> yeah yeah well, um, and I thought it was an interesting point when um Constance says of Florette she watched Mother and learned her ways just like I did, but I hoped she would watch me too and learn something different. So, what do you think Constance is hoping to teach Florette, and what do you think Florette is learning
1: well i I think constance is is trying to show her that she can be a strong and independent woman, you know? Um, I mean, Constance does a lot in this book. I mean, really puts herself out there. And in so many ways that was, I guess, maybe abnormal for the time period. um, But also really empowering. I mean, it might not have been the norm, but it was really interesting to see her really like take charge of the situation and you know go to the police and then you know like having Sheriff Heath kind of like really put her in the middle of the whole investigation and you know going out and trying to catch these kidnappers and like all this really interesting stuff and so I think right now Florette might just be seeing this as oh this is all just so exciting but really I think Constance was just trying to show her that like you need to be strong and really learn how to take care of yourself,
0: I guess. Yeah, I agree. And also, um, you need to be part of society. Mm -hmm. Um, because that was just not what (laughs) their mother taught them. Like they they bought a huge farm to isolate themselves so that there's no scandal and story about the, you know, the three girls. Mm -hmm. And, um, they were so f- removed from society. And even in this book, constant Learns, she's like, oh, so, you know, we really need to, like, help one another. And I, I think that's what she's trying to show Florette as well. It's like, yes, you know, we may be happy in our home, but really, we should also help other people if we can. Mm-hmm. Um, So, and I think that's kind of important, especially because I don't think Florette knows that because of how she was brought up.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, it was. It was so isolated. You know, we take care of our own
0: Mm kind of thing. I mean, everything is a game to her. Everything is like, ooh, this is so exciting. It's a movie, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's a little frustrating. (laughs)
2: Just a bit. (laughs) Well, and to follow, like, that thought out about helping people, Constance really goes out of her way to help Lucy Blake, even though she doesn't always, like, know why she wants to do it or know what the point is in doing it. Like, she doesn't always think she can. Um, and But she says to Norma, she keeps doing it because she keeps thinking, what if no one had gone looking for me? Mm-hmm. So what is the connection that she's feeling with Lucy Blake's baby? I mean... Like that could have so easily
1: been her. Yeah. You know, like she's really kind of looking at herself years ago. I mean, I know they said that she was planning on giving Florette up for adoption, but you never know. When she actually had Florette, she might have decided, no, I can't, I can't give up my daughter. And then well, where that's was she? But she decided. In oh, she did. Ways. Oh, okay. I couldn't remember. Yeah. Um, Oh, that's right. She did. She like ran away for a night. Yeah. And then they found her. Duh. Sorry. I read this a couple (laughs) weeks ago now. Um, But yeah, like where would she have ended up? I mean, she would have had to find some sort of job to pay the bills and try to take care of her daughter. And like, I think this is exactly where she would have been. And then the idea of working so hard to take care of your child to only have your child vanish, you know, taken from you and like how how horrifying, how heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, it's just, I mean, she even even though she got to you know keep Florette, um, even just the thought of like what if she somehow lost her as a baby, you know, that would hurt. You know, it would have been awful for her, and so she's feeling empathy towards Lucy, and she's like, well, if I can help her, I'll help her. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, exactly. Which is nice. Yeah, but I completely agree. Just it would have been terrible. Like I said, I think that just shows how wonderful Norma is in that way. As grumpy as she is, <laughs> mm-hmm. she just she's very caring
2: and she really worries for her sister. So, oh and yeah, she did. Mm-hmm. and she brought her sister home, yeah. just like oh. Constance brings. Lucy Blake's baby. Exactly. And I
0: was like, oh, my heart is so happy.
2: <laughs> right. And, and oh, also,
1: man. I'm just now kind of thinking of it this way. But so while Lucy, you know, was in Constance's shoes, she now gets to have a future that Constance never truly had. I mean, Constance did get to keep her baby and grow up, you know, see her grow up, but she'll never be her mother. You oh, know? Oh,
0: yeah. That's right. That's a good point. It's true.
1: But yeah. Lucy will will get mm-hmm. to be the mother to her son and not just kind of a side, a side mm-hmm. character in her life, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. No, that's a really good point. Maybe she also thinks, like, what if I was never found and I would be Lucy where I would get to be mommy? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I wonder how that would change their relationship, you know? Like, how mm-hmm. different it would be. And it was just like my... I felt so bad for her when she was describing, you know, all the times where Florette cried and she couldn't go to her. And and then she was talking about how she had a nurse, her in the pantry. I'm like, what?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is uh, just... nobody could see them. They yeah, need anybody I know. Catch. But it's
0: just so terrible. I'm like, no, you can't it's be sad. nursing in a pantry. No. It's <laughs> yeah. so awful. So maybe she's thinking like those kinds of circumstances would have been slightly easier, you know she'd be she'd be mom and not her mom being mom,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so, yep
2: well, we're gonna move on to something kind of fun, and we're gonna get vanish here. Um, how did you feel about the relationship between Sheriff Heath and Constance? Because I really shipped them, man. I oh was my shipping gosh. so hard.
1: Yes. I was so upset when we found out he was married. I was like, what the heck? No. <laughs> oh.
0: So I was kind of like, Apprehensive that they were, she was gonna put them together. It's like, no, let the can they be friends? let just be friends. They'll, can they be best friends? Let will be besties. Like, don't have them fall but in love. There's no good I don't chemistry. Want it. <laughs> I know, but it's like, no, no love interest. But then he was married. I was like, okay, I got. Th-. And then you know, his wife turned out to be pretty terrible. So I was like. Mm, he's better off with Constance. <laughs> yeah, <See? laughs> and
1: I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I don't know. I can't remember. I don't think in real life they got together, so I don't know if she'll take it that way. But yeah, his wife is super crabby, and mm-hmm. the way that he talks about her, it sounds like they have a really rocky marriage. So I'm like, is yeah. she gonna leave him? Can <laughs> he get with Constance after that? Maybe. I mean, it'd be pretty scandalous back then. But
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, she's it already, was... like, a
1: 35-year-old single woman. She's already scandalous. Yeah, that's what's inside right? I, mean, I think
0: she's already, like, there. <laughs> and she's carrying,
1: a, she's carrying a gun. We have to, yeah. like, alert the
2: newspapers, people. <laughs> and they did. As they did. Well, yeah. Um, well, and, you know, if you think about it, in like you said, Constance is kind of a odd duck in her time period in this life to begin with. But he still helps her. So, like, why does he go out of his way to help her and offer her the job and everything? Part of me thinks, you know, there's some chemistry her. there. But, I mean, being just a saying. sheriff is,
0: like, serious business. You can't just hire her because it's like, oh, I really like her and I like working with her. <laughs> but she's also good at it. No, yes. No, He, I think he just really saw the potential in her. And... um he feels like there needs to be more people like her on in, in, in the police force, um, and yeah, the fact that's that true. you know they have good chemistry is a plus. You know, right? I mean, they they work well together, yeah. and yeah. he definitely
1: seems quite progressive for the time period. Yeah, um, you know where he's focused on you know prisoners' quality of life and things like that, and and yeah, I mean we do see that Constance is able to solve. This you know missing child case, because she's a woman, and other women are more willing to talk to a woman about such things um so I think she solved the case really i mean she's she even found the case, let's be honest, yeah, even True. <laughs> yeah,
2: and I guess susan you you are making a really good point that they need people on the police force. Who take these kinds of complaints seriously because he was the only one who took her seriously.
1: Yes. Well, and wasn't afraid to stand up to Henry Kaufman.
0: Yeah, like, she really wanted to get down to the truth. She wanted right to be righted. You know, hey, this guy mm-hmm. ran into me and he's not paying me. This is a problem. Yeah, and like, D- don't let it go just because it's ri- he's rich, you know. Mm-hmm. Because what, right. when she
1: first went in, she was talking to, like, a detective or something. And, like, you know he wasn't going to do anything about it, whether yeah. he didn't care or he was scared of Kaufman or whatever. But I think, like, the sheriff really put his neck out on the line to to do this mm-hmm. and to take it seriously and to really hold Henry Kaufman accountable.
2: Yep. He did. Yep. All right. Well, I know we're running out of time, so I'm just going to do another question or two. Um before we wrap up here, um, Florette suggests that their year of harassment at the hands of Henry Kaufman was also the most interesting year of their lives and therefore might not have been such a bad thing. She asks her sisters, can you honestly say that you wish Henry Kaufman had never run us down on Market Street? And so this question I actually got from like the official like book club questions guide um, because I thought it was a really interesting question. Like, I think we can pretty much guess what Constance's answer is. But how do you think, for example, Norma feels? And the guide asks, how would you feel? So how would you guys feel? I
0: I would be like, I would say maybe... You know, I don't quite regret it, but at the same time, I'd probably side with Norma because I feel like she'd be like, no, I didn't want him in our lives. <laughs> I mean, she was pretty much like that the whole time this was happening. Like, you, should, you shouldn't have bugged him. You shouldn't have gone to him. You shouldn't have done that. Um, but that's because, you know, I'm just, I'm really low key. Like, I don't want drama in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same time, um, if I grew up like them, it's like, well, I got to see more of the world and that's really interesting. Um, and see more people and got to know more people and you know, that that's exciting, like to learn something like that and to but um the, the life threatening part not so much. Like that wasn't fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean I think
1: because it worked out right we can say, Oh yeah, you know, it, it wasn't so bad. It, you know, it let Constance get out into the world and like it's going to give her this new job so that they can keep the farm and everything. But would we be saying the same thing if Florette had actually been kidnapped or someone had been killed or, you know what I mean? Like, it could have gone real bad. Right. But it just happened to not. And so I think that makes it seem like, oh, well, we should kind of sort of be thankful that this happened. Um, so. Well,
2: and it allowed Constance to explore new talents and skills she didn't know she even had. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. So. I mean, I can see Constance's point of view. Like, she got to have experiences, some of which she's always wanted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I you guys are definitely right. There's um, an element of this, which is very much the author's writing style and the events of the book turning out the way they had. We've talked about um, the other day how this would have been a much scarier and darker book if it had been written differently it had been written like, oh, we were at home alone at night. It was dark. There was nobody for miles. And then two shots came through our windows and a brick showed up on my bed. And, like, that could be scary. Mm-hmm. But there's something about the way um, Amy Stewart handles the material, which makes it a lot more lighthearted and fun.
0: Yeah, more mm-hmm. actiony than scary.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Um. Okay, so... I guess my question, last question for you then is, did you like the book and would you continue reading the series? So get two in one there. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, I liked it. Um, It was fun. There were some parts where I felt kind of lagged. The pacing was a little choppy at times, Um, but it was, it was fun. So I would, I would continue reading it for sure. Yep. I agree. I definitely liked it.
1: Um, yeah, there were some parts that kind of dragged in the middle. Um, I just kind of felt like, oh, well, here's another brick going through the window. Here's another <laughs> thing. But I mean, that's how many times it actually happened. I mean, she said mm-hmm. that she took these letters, like these were the actual letters that were thrown through their window or put in their mm-hmm. mailbox or whatever. So like, I get it. Like she she kept with the true events. So that's fine. Um, but yeah, it was it was fun. And I'm actually really looking forward to the second book because I think now we've gotten this whole incident is done I'm assuming and so now we can like see how Constance is going to do being a cop and I think that'll be really interesting and I actually just got the uh, second book on my Kindle so, <laughs> so nice. I will be reading it
2: <laughs> yeah I I agree um I actually picked this book up basically I judge this book by its cover guys <laughs> I saw it in a book or and early bird books or something like that. And I was like, that looks fun. Oh, based on a true story about a lady de- deputy in 1915. 194- I was like, all right, why not? Picked it up and I really enjoyed it. And so I just picked up the second book as well. And I will be looking forward to reading it. Um, and I like guess we'll keep you guys updated. Um, but in the meantime, our next book... On Eclectic Readers will be Love Warrior by Glennon Doyle Melton, and we're going back down the non-fiction road. It's a memoir um, about um, the author's marriage and uh, some marital troubles. So yeah. we'll be reading that for next month. Looking forward to talking about that.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of us are married and... <laughs> some with children some without so it'll be it probably be an interesting discussion. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm.
2: this one is um Megan's book and we were teasing her about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun.
0: All right. Well, we have uh, some links to some of the um, information that the author took and had on her website about the real char- uh, people for the characters um, for Girl Waste with Gun. And to find that, you can check them out on eclecticreaders.fireside.fm. Um, Our new website, yeah, it's our new home. Yeah, go check it out. Yeah, go check it out. Um, And there's some other um, content, uh, some a few content on there. So go check it out. Um, So other than our new home, um, where else
2: can people find you, Jeanette? You can find me on Goodreads at JMT Rivera, and let's see, the same name JMT Rivera, and on Twitter at Dr. Jeanette D R J E A. N N E T T E, and I'll be putting some of my questions I didn't get to up on Goodreads. So look for that. Yeah.
0: How about you, Meredith? You can find me at Goodreads,
1: Twitter, and Let's See all at the same handle, Mare the Book Gal, which is M E R
0: E T H E B O O K G A L. What about you, Susan? And people can find me on Goodreads, Twitter, and Let's See at the same handle, Dudi r-u-r-i underscore k-a-i-c-h-o-u and uh, to keep up with our podcast go ahead and subscribe to a podcatcher so you never miss an episode Um, please rate and review us on iTunes Um, that way we can um, be out there for other people to find us and then after that I think we're all done so let's shelve this until next month
2: Bye. Bye. bye